Good morning. I am so happy to be here, and I'm going to start right off with an apology that I could not stand for worship, and I can't stand to speak. Uh, in 2010, I was in Iraq, and I jumped out of a helicopter, and my feet hit wrong, and I hit on my backside, we'll call it, and I broke instantly shattered six vertebrae, and they put in 12 screws and two rods. I'm an inch taller but I can't stand very long and I can't walk very far. But they still write contracts and they're still sending me all over the world. I'm 75, going on 50. And 50 is the new 30. And if you're in the common core, I'm 21, you can be anything you want. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for letting me share that so you know why I sit. It's a little embarrassing when people are standing for worship and I'm sitting. But I'm doing my best and just thrilled to be with you today. Pastor, I'm observant. I, I, I'm very cognizant of everything around me at all times. And you have to be if you work, do the work I kind of do in foreign countries. I'm cognizant of this. You are a man of prayer. Yes. This church has followed you in your prayer life. And the next time I'm in trouble, I'm calling. I mean that. If I could have somebody that would pray like you do. He and I have this problem. We're allergic to the carpet. It makes us water up pretty bad. But you, as a church, have followed the leadership of a pastor. And if you're a guest here, so am I. I, I. I can't remember the last time I heard a message in tongues. I can't remember it. And an interpretation, I can't remember it. I remember it way back as a child. I live in a different world than most people, certainly a different world than any evangelist you'll have on this platform. I only go to church on Sunday. During the weekdays, I'm with the military. I hear nothing but F-bombs. I hear nothing but curses against the name of Christ. In public schools, I hear stories of rape of children, plunder, kids that don't know if they're boys or girls. They know the difference, but they like to get in the girls' bathrooms as boys. The stuff that's going on I'm, I'm dealing with during the week I go to church to take a bath, to wash it off. God didn't call me to be a, a revivalist where you go into a church and you preach to the Christians to revive them. I wish that was my calling because I love to preach. But I don't get to preach but on Sundays. I get to preach tonight. Do you know that? I get to preach. I'm going to preach a message tonight. God's already put it in my heart. I know what I'm going to say, and then I get here, and then he changes it all. I wish he wouldn't do that, but it's all right. I like to see a pastor led by the Spirit this morning. He wasn't worried about the clock, and right now I'm not either, so plan on getting out by 12, midnight. <laughs> Bad joke. I'll be, I'll be thoughtful. It's, and we, I got time. If you're, good, if you're good till noon, we'll be all right. But I just want to tell you how much it means to me today to be in a church that knows how to worship. That's Pentecostal and exercises the gifts of the Spirit. And most certainly you show the fruit of the Spirit, which is love with the, all the attending attributes of love that make the fruit of the Spirit so beautiful. I grew up in Pentecostal. <clears throat> they used to tuck me under the front seat, so <clears throat> some people shouting and dancing wouldn't poke a high heel through my eyeball. So they took me out of the seat. Now, I, I did real well. I had a lot of gum. <laughs> Multi-flavored. I'd peel it off and eat it. Little kid. Didn't have any sense at all. It's a wonder I didn't die of every disease. My mom did die of every disease. Uh, when I, she had two children before me and did great. When I was born, it almost killed her, and it did kill her, finally. Uh, she was never well again the day of another day of her life. Curled up in a fetal position in a nursing home for decades. 
But when she could still talk, she taught me everything she could. She knew it was coming that she wouldn't be able to. And I learned so much more from my mom in a few years than I did from any teachers and professors in my lifetime. She was brilliant. She was uh, born the daughter of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court for Arizona. She was valedictorian of her class in high school and college, smart. Everybody that knew her wanted to be, wanted her to be governor or senator for the state of Texas. That kind of woman, that was my mom. And she knew her end was coming to communicate. Somehow God prepared her for that. And she, here, here's, her, here's her wisdom. I came home from my first year of college. Mom, what is life? I knew that all these, all these philosophers couldn't answer that question. Herman Hess, Socrates, all the, they couldn't answer it. Mom, what is life? She said, it's the absence of death. I said, Mom, really? She said, it's the absence of death. She said, what is death? I said, the absence of life. She said, no. I said, why? She said, it's the absence of Christ who is life. And to know him is life, and the absence of Christ is death. Whoa, I never forgot. Just a little lesson like that. I didn't want to be without Jesus. My greatest fear in Vietnam wasn't being shot. My greatest fear in Vietnam was being captured. Shoot me, burn me, do anything, but don't capture me. My greatest fear in life is not death. My greatest fear in life is that he would take his spirit from me. That's my greatest fear in life because the absence of Christ is the absence of life. Jacob was in a place that he said, I will call it Bethel. The, the Lord was there, and he knew it not. The Spirit of God was taken away from Samson. He said, I'll shake myself and do what I've always done. But the Spirit of God departed from him. Saul, the Spirit of God departed from him, and he knew it not. Uh, for nine years, I traveled with Dr. Billy Graham, and on Monday night, I would speak at the Crusades for nine years. During the week, I was in military installations and public schools to attract those folks to the Crusade. And Monday night was my night, and I got 20 minutes at the Crusades to 80 to 100,000 people. I spoke at the Crusade in Washington, D.C., and it was in the National auditorium, national, whatever it's called, civic center, we would call it. And uh, President Reagan was president at the time. And he called Russia the evil empire, if you remember that. The evil empire. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm just going to speak to you from my heart right now. And the evil empire being Russia was pronounced over and over by Reagan. And I'm speaking in Reagan's back porch, as it were. I'm, I'm at his house, you'd say at this National Auditorium, and it's packed full, standing room only, thousands and thousands of people. So I get up to speak, and I'm thinking, man, I'm in the presence of politics and politicians. So I went off on this, this evil empire. And as I shared my story, I was so, I said, I'm so thankful I could fight for freedom against the greatest threat of freedom, communism, that's ever faced the world. This godless religion of communism, this evil empire. Man, I just went off on them. I went off on them. I got three standing ovations. I mean, I was so proud of myself. I get through speaking. Dr. Graham speaks and had great invitation, a great night. Three days later, I'm in my bus, and, and they had a phone mounted in, early model. And the phone rang. Only two people knew that phone number other than my wife. My secretary and a little boy named David, David Rothenberg, a little boy that when mom and dad divorced, dad got even with mom, he set their child on fire, and he lived. While the baby was sleeping at the age of nine years old, the little boy was nine years old, he poured kerosene on him, warm kerosene, the little boy didn't know it, he was sleeping. Threw a match on him, ran out, locked the door at the hotel across the street from Disneyland in, in California where that little boy had visions dancing in his brain of Mickey Mouse and 
all the little characters, and now he's on fire. 90 93%, I think it was, third-degree burn, the largest, highest third-degree burn ever to survive to that time. No face, no ears, no nose, no lips, no eyelids, no hair, no fingers, no toes. Burned all over. They got skin from his groin and his armpits, and they, they saved that little boy's life. And he was terrified of men, and on TV, he was there that night on TV, and they asked me to come be on with him. And when I walked in the room, he looked up at me. Here's a little boy with no face. He looked at me and he said, ugh. I looked at him and I said, ugh, what? He said, ugly. <laughs> we both laughed. He threw his little fingerless hands and arms around my neck. And he held me. And I'm the only man that he ever loved again till he died. He loved me. You know why? This carpet's killing us, isn't it, Pastor? We got to do something about this carpet. You know why he loved me? Because I was scarred. And he knew that I knew how he felt. Jesus didn't go to Calvary in a limousine to die by lethal injection. They crucified the Son of God on a cross and mutilated him so that we knew he was telling the truth when he said, I know how you feel. He was acquainted with all of our suffering, bruised like we were. Are you listening? So we're on TV together. And I told that story. That night in Washington, D.C., it was a great night. This little boy has my phone number. And when the phone rang, it had to be him or my secretary. So I answered, and this is what I answered. What, 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 what? Just having fun. There was a silence, then a voice of a woman. Uh, this is Mary from the office of the President of the United States. I'm calling for Mr. Dave Reaver. I said, one moment. <laughs> True story. I said, this is Dave. Can I help you? <laughs> I'm telling you the gospel. She said, uh, uh, Mr. Reagan is asking for you to come to the White House. He wants to visit with you. I was stunned. I said, of course. We set the time and date. It was about a month to come. And at about a month, I had rented a car, bought a ticket, round trip, 700-something dollars. I go to the White House. I walk up. They didn't have all the barriers. Then I walk up to this guard shack, I'll call it. Hello, I'm Dave Reaver, and I'm here to see the President of the United States. He looked at me, and he said, you see those people across the street? And it was permanent, total, always a demonstration going on, 24-7, all the time. All the time. They had 50-gallon barrels out there. They had fires in to warm themselves, et cetera, et cetera. I said, yes, I see them. He said, they're here to see the president, too. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The president called me and asked me to come. He said, you see those people? I said, yes. He said, he called them, too. He asked them to come. You, you following me, folks? I said, you don't get it, bro. My name is written somewhere on your book. I am here by invitation of the President of the United States. He said, you see those people? I said, yes, I see those people. Look in your records. I am Dave Reaver. Reaver. Can you find Reaver? R-O-E-V-E-R. At about that time, we were click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, of high heels coming on the other side of the gate. And it's a woman. And she looks through the bar, through the graded gate, and she says, are you Dave Reaver? I looked at the guards, and I said, yes, I am. <laughs> I said, I'm invited by the president. Of the, and he said, yes, sir. And he opened the gate, and I went in, showed him my ID, and I went in. Sound like something yet to come? Sound like a familiar story? This is a God's honest truth story, I'm telling you. She escorted me to the White House, into what's called the Roosevelt Room, which is attached to the Oval Office, where potentates and popes and presidents and prime ministers and kings have many of them sat. I was sitting there alone. 
she stepped out. I'm alone. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Why? Who? Where? All the W's were going through my brain. And the door opened, and a man said, the President of the United States is ready to see you, Mr. Reaver. He even said my name right, not Rover. Everybody calls me Rover. I growl, bite their ankle. <laughs> if you're going to be called that, you might as well be that. I said, yes, sir. And I stepped in, and all the things I had prepared to say, I forgot. I couldn't think of a thing to say. I'm shaking hands with Ronald Reagan. I got pictures of all this. I'm shaking hands with the President of the United States, and I don't know what to say. I said, uh, uh, duh. I, and he said, Dave, thanks for coming. Then I spoke. I said, Mr. President, why am I here? He said, several reasons, Dave. I listened to you the other night at the Billy Graham crusade. He was there, and I didn't know it. In the presence of a president, and I knew it not. Are you following this story? I'm at the gate, and I'm demanding my name. It should be written, but I'm invited by the person on the inside, and we'll call her the Holy Spirit. She showed up right on time. Now I'm in his presence. I'm speechless. I said, sir, why am I here? He said, there's several reasons, Davy. He called me Davy, and he said, one, I want to thank you for your service to our country, and you were wounded there, and I want to thank you for serving Davy. And I want to thank you for what you've done in our public schools. He had tracked my career. He knew all the things I was doing. And he said, there's another reason. And it went real quiet. I was afraid to ask, well, what was the third reason? He said at the crusade, you stood up for me, Davy. You stood up with me against that evil empire. When people didn't want me to say it, you said it with me. You were there, and you came against that evil empire. You called them out. I said, yes, I did. <laughs> I didn't know, and listen to the rest of the story. He said, I've always called them the evil empire, but I never said it when the front row was an entire field, was fire, filled entirely with the delegation of Russians coming to America. I'm thinking, did I do that? He said, thank you, Davey. I said, sir, you're welcome. Like I knew they were there. Are you following this story? You see, there's a lot of times I've preached, I've ministered. I didn't know who was there. I didn't know I was calling out the devil on the very people that should have been called. I didn't know. I don't know who's here today. But the lesson I learned is about to be exposed. When he got through and we hugged and shook hands, we both had a time of tears. I spent about 15 minutes with the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And I look back, and he is still to this day my favorite president of all time, whether I was there or not. He loved Jesus so much. He was a born-again believer, and he loved the Lord dearly. When I left, I'm walking out, and I, these are the thoughts going through my head. Wow. I've been there. He, I've been with the man, the most powerful man. I've been there with the man. I was this far off the pavement I was walking on. My head was in the clouds. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, you didn't walk that way when you left my presence. It so stunned me when that thought hit me. I stopped, and my feet were firmly on the ground again. I got my head out of the clouds, and with tears I apologized to Jesus in the, outside the doors of the Oval Office. It wasn't a rose garden that day. It was a garden full of thorns. And I said, Jesus, when did I leave your presence? And I didn't know it. Think about what I'm saying. And my greatest fear that day was confronted that I should never lose that fear that his presence would be taken from me and me not know it. I fear. I'm not afraid of the communists. 
I faced the enemy face to face. If I blinked, I would have exposed my camouflage position. If I had batted my eyes, he looked right at me and didn't see me. I was that well camouflaged. He was right in front of me. Afraid? To a degree. My heart was pounding. Nothing like the fear of losing the presence of God in my life. Beat me, burn me, shoot me, mutilate me, do anything, but don't take Jesus away from Dave. Amen. Amen. I was shot in Vietnam in 1969. Yes, I know some of you think that's right after the War of 1812, but no. I am 75, as I said, going on 50. In 1969, I was shot by a sniper. He was somewhere behind me, and the bullet went through my hand and detonated the grenade I was holding, trying to throw. White phosphorus grenade burns at 5,000 degrees. When it exploded, everything not covered came off. It's the simplest way to put it. If it's covered, it remained, but it was second-degree burn. It grew back. Everything else, even I lost my face, I lost my ear. It's plastic. Everything came off. Got my hair back. I bought it. <laughs> There's a bald guy in Wuhan tonight. It's my way of getting even. <laughs> you got it. I don't, I don't mind the hairpiece. I just get embarrassed when I'm chasing it across a parking lot on a windy day at church. I had a dog bring it back once. A dog brought my hair to me, stinking mutt. And he was shaking it. He thought he had an air possum. And my ear fell off when I was preaching in Jamaica. I didn't know it fell off, but I knew something was wrong. I'm preaching, and this is what happened. <gasps> They're sucking air, wide-eyed, pointing at me, covering their mouth. I checked my fly. I did, because something's wrong. My fly was fine. I look around, my ear was laying on my shoulder. It was the, it was the glue on my, I have a snap on now, it, it doesn't fall off anymore. The glue on my, it was like a wet band-aid, it just, cause I was sweating. And it just felt, and I didn't know. They were not, they all, when they, when they, they thought it was a miracle and they all got saved. It happened, they came, I don't know if they came forward to see my ear or to see Jesus, but I got them. <laughs> That's a true story. It's fallen off. I, I, when people say, how do you play the piano? I take it off play the piano by ear. And I always get them with that one. If you can't make it right, make it funny. Amen? If you can't do anything else with it, just make it funny. Have fun with it. Don't complain. Don't cry about it. My ear has made me millions of dollars. I have. Not, I'm not kidding. Millions. I've written books. I've made over $100 million in book sales, and I've never taken a penny of it. It all goes to ministry. Every dime. I've never taken royalties, nothing, because it's all, and I'm blessed to this day. I'm blessed. Very blessed. You cannot give God. Do you realize that? Nothing you do for him doesn't come back to you in ROI, return on investment. So God's blessed me. I've lost a lot of things. I have. I lost my wife to COVID a few months ago, and I miss her so bad. I've never hurt like that in all of my life. It still hurts. In the middle of the night, I wake up and I talk to her, and I was feeling so sorry for myself, and the Lord just spoke to me, and he didn't talk to me in audible voices, and I never say the Lord spoke to me or God said if he didn't. I don't ever, 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 ever say God told me something if he didn't tell me. I've read the word of God and one of the greatest curses God ever put on anybody used to say, God told me or God said this to me and he didn't. Don't ever abuse that. God told me. But God spoke to me in the middle of the night. Quit your crying buttercup. Suck it up. Everybody loses somebody and you made a vow till death do us part. Love will never end easy. It will always end in somebody losing somebody. So I quit feeling sorry for myself, but I still cry over it. It still breaks my heart. It still hurts. 
And I know when she got to heaven, threw her arms around Jesus, she said, Dave who? She got over me real quick. She died 10 months ago, and I tried to have a date with a woman the other day. Just going to her house, I threw up two times. After the date, I threw up once. So I quit trying to date. I'm not, I don't even know, what to, I don't know how to date. I just took the woman to dinner and took her home, and I threw up three times over it. I learned, I learned to cook after I set the house on fire. A true story. They got it out. And they got all the smoke alarms reset. And I learned how to wash. And I learned you have to shut the washing machine door all the way till it clicks. Because four hours later, I came back. Nothing happened. The clothes were still dirty. And then I learned, take them out of the dryer. Because they're, they're, they're a mess if you don't. And you have to hurry and do that. Cause they, am I right, women? Am I right? So here's how I learned how to cook. Buy everything already cooked, put it in the microwave, count to 10. <laughs> Amen? I don't know why I'm telling y'all. This is not what I came to say. Pastor messed me up with all that prayer this morning. I was sitting on that front row saying, when I get broken, I'm calling this pastor to heal me. I'm learning what I never learned before. The only thing Paris Hilton and I, I have in common is we know nothing. We know nothing. I'm as ignorant as ever came along. I'm the dullest knife in the door. I'm a knife in the door, but I don't know how God can ever use me. And if he can do anything with me and do something with you, don't ever think he can't. When that bullet went through my hand, I thought, I'm dead. I'm dead. I looked down. I could see my heart beating. Have you ever seen your own heart beating? I saw my heart beating. I looked over my fingers. These three fingers of thumb were hanging, hanging by skin and tendons. Only one finger was attached. And the VA added up all my disability to 240% disabled. They only pay you for 100%. Where's the justice in that? <laughs> the Navy said, you're 100%. I said, the VA said 240. said, no, 100. But you're permanently and totally disabled and unemployable. So I looked at my hand. It doesn't work, right? You can see it doesn't work. These fingers don't work. I got a percent of disability for each finger, each thumb, my face, square inches of, dis of scar tissue, disability for psychological damage. I'm fine. Shut up and sit down. I'm all right. <laughs> That's a bad joke. So here is what they say. I'm permanently totally disabled and unemployable. See this? What do you call that? A microphone, right? What do you call that? A disabled hand. Watch this. It's a mic stand. And look here. The only finger attached, a preaching finger. A mic stand, a mic, a preaching finger, knowing the Holy Spirit, and you've got an evangelist. I'm employed. I have a job. I didn't let the world define who I am. I let Jesus define who I am. Don't let the world define you. Don't let the world say you can't when they say you can't do it anyway. Just do it. Because you can do all things through Christ. Amen? Oh, you're defeated. You can't. But you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I can do all these things because of who he is, not who I am. If you take this bottle and you say, wow, what a bottle. It's even got a label on it. And a, wow, what, that's crazy, isn't it? When somebody hands you this, you're not saying what a bottle. You're saying, wow, what a drink. I need the water. You see, we get all confused about who we are. Sometimes we glorify the bottle. We're just a delivery system, folks. It's what's in us the world's looking for. Not the bottle, not the container. It's what's in the container. We are the water of life. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And when we glorify the bottle, we miss the point. But the water can't get there without the bottle. So we don't worship the bottle. I kind of like the story of Gideon. Whenever he told his 300 guys, I guess it's 300, wasn't it? 
and counting him, 301. 301. And he said to his 300 men, take the pitcher, put the candle down in it, put the light down in it, and let it be burning. And on my command, we will smash the container, and the light will shine in the darkness, and it'll confuse the enemy. And he did, on my command. And so he gets out there, and he shouts. When they break it, the lights come on. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You see, we are the sword of the Lord. We're the delivery system. We're the light in the darkness. But we're still the Gideon too. And we're not ashamed of who we are. And that's what hit me when I heard message in tongues that I haven't heard in so many years. And I go to Pentecostal churches. They just quit doing it. They quit letting the Spirit of the Lord move. Honestly, they just quit. How are we doing on time? I'm about to quit pretty quick. <laughs> Boy, where does time go when you have time's fun? Time, time's fun when you're having flies. <laughs> no, that came out wrong, didn't it? So here I conclude. Well, can I can I go a few more minutes? A few more minutes? Are you with me? So here's the few more minutes. I hear a message in tongues. I feel the flow of the Holy Spirit. I see a pastor that knows how to pray. I'm in a church that's anointed of the Holy Spirit. I'm a broken vessel. And I got healed this morning. I got healed this morning. I can't even talk about it. I hate it when I do this. My voice goes away and I cry and I look stupid. But I don't care. I needed you. I needed you. And you were there. I heal in the pulpit more than any other. Send me to the best doctor in the world. It's nothing like when I'm in the presence of God and I'm doing what he called me to do. And I, I, I'm embarrassed that I don't have my message in front of you. If you want to hear what I wanted to preach, it comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <laughs> speak. That's my message. Go read it for yourself. You can figure it out. <laughs> and I love you so much. I love you. I just fell in love with you today. I didn't expect any of this. I thought it'd just be another stop in the road, and I do what I do for God, and I think I'm doing for God what I normally do, but I didn't today. I don't know what we'll do tonight. You want to come see? Come see. We'll, we'll both see what God wants. I preach, and I can't wait to see what I'm going to say because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to. I'd amen myself, but that sounds pretty bad. Then I take my own offering, and I won't get anything. <laughs> oh, I love you, and I thank you for your patience with me. I brought a little video I think will say a lot. Let me set it up properly. Uh, I work for the government. To this day, I am a contractor. I got my numbers and all, and I, I work regularly for them all over the world. They fly me to any place on the corner of this earth to save, to stop a warrior from killing himself. Uh, it was in the news today and last and yesterday, July to September. Say July to September. More military committed suicide. Twice as many from July to September than were killed by COVID since it started in all the military. Since COVID started last March to today, more, twice as many committed suicide from July to September than were killed by COVID in all our military. It's got to stop, folks. I'm asking this praying church and that praying pastor to put me, I'm, I'm jealous and I'm selfish. I want to be at the top of the list for prayer that you will send me covered in prayer into the battlefield to save 22 veterans a day from killing themselves every day and stop the military active duty from suicide every day. Can I count on this church to be my prayer partner? Can I? Then we are partners. And you folks that are watching online, 
I'm counting on you to be part of a prayer team that I need. I, I, I don't know how to put it any other way. It's the most urgent request I could ever ask of a church, and I've asked it today. Thank you for that commitment. And to close this little video, we'll show you. The play. If you've been downrange, we call if you served, anyone here served in the modern, in the global war on terror? Let me see your hand, anybody? So I'm, in, I'm not in a military community, I can see that. You'll see what I do for my government today, the foreign countries that I cannot label, the places I've gone because of security reasons, they're classified. But if, if you hadn't been down range, you wouldn't know, and I can't tell you, but you'll see them. And secondly, you'll see the ranches I built for our warriors from ground up. I've got about 11 or 12, close now to close to $12 million invested debt-free. I do not owe one penny on these ranches. They're totally built debt-free. Give the Lord a clap offering. Wait till you see them. They're in the video. Uh, thirdly, you'll see, and I, by the way, I built those ranches, and DO, Department of Defense sends me active duty constantly to retrain and reprogram them, and they say we have the best return on their investment, and that's because Jesus is the great healer. Amen? And uh, you'll see those ranches, one in Colorado, one in Texas. But the most difficult thing you'll see that I've ever been asked to do for my country is not to get shot up in Vietnam, not to be burned. You'll see the most difficult thing I've ever done for my country. And that's to grind away the night across the Middle East, 21,000 feet in a, in a C-130, with what we call caskets, the military calls transfer cases, of the dead who with valor gave their lives to let us sit in this room. And those, we'll call them what they are in our terms, those flag-draped coffins. I've sat there, looked at those coffins, and I've wondered, has one of those coffins got the remains of who would be the next Billy Graham? If he hadn't been killed, the price of freedom. That nurse killed in Balad, Iraq, would she have been the next Mother Teresa? Now her remains will be interned in the city of the family choice. We in this life will never know the price of freedom, but in the next world to come, when we find what it was, we would never have believed it on this side of the veil. The price of freedom is beyond our wildest imagination. And to bring them home on what's called the angel flight. It's the most difficult thing I've ever done. Would you roll that video, please? Boom.
With that, I will say to you, I feel like I've had two chances to serve my country. One in the war in Vietnam and the other in the global war on terror as a civilian. But this is where I fight the biggest war. For the cause of Christ against an enemy that never lets up, he's relentless. And I present to you the question, are you prepared for your angel flight home? It's already been bought and paid for. Amen? Amen? That ticket is yours to have. And when you get that ticket and it's punched, you're on that flight and you don't know what a hero's welcome is. Like you'll see when you make it home. But if you don't have that ticket, can I pray with you right now? I'm going to ask you to pray as a congregation. Here's how I want we do in those ranches, we do what are called marriage restoration seminars. We bring them from the military who are going through divorce and separation and restore those marriages. We do it by the hundreds. And at the end, we have what's called renewal of vows. I'm going to ask you that know Christ and are serving Christ. Let's renew our vows in a public way. Let's just renew them. But if you're not walking with Christ. While we're renewing our vows, use the same identical words to make your vows. I'm making this as easy for you as I can. Jesus did the hardest part. He was the one whipped with the cat of nine tails. He's the one that dragged his own murder weapon to the to, up a hill, not down a hill. He's the one who was crucified. He did the hard stuff. All we got to do is do the easy stuff. We just... Say it and believe it. Confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. So let's pray this prayer together. Are you ready? And don't mumble it. He ain't, he's not deaf. You, you can speak clearly. And you don't have to yell. He's not nervous. So let's do this together. Here we go. Lord Jesus, thank you. I came to your house and I found you here. I feel all of my sins. The weight is heavy. I feel so unclean in your presence. You are holy. I'm unholy. Forgive me of all my sins. And make me holy. Make me what I ought to be. Out of what I am. And who you are. Now Lord Jesus. By faith. I admit I'm a sinner, but I confess you're my Savior. By faith, I receive you into my life. Literally, your spirit in my body. I accept you as Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, confessing you died, confessing you rose again, confessing you dwell in me, Confessing I'm a believer, a Christ follower, I declare I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Woo. Yes. Yes. Now listen to me. If you prayed that prayer and you believed it, not only did we renew our vows, but some names are being written down for the first time in the Lamb's book of life right now and at home where you're watching online. Thank you for being willing to pray that prayer. That is the most important thing we'll ever do in this service. The next important things are this. One, I'd like to mention my products. And two, there'll be a love offering given. If I can do that real quickly, would that be acceptable? It's about 14 after. You're still with me? If you got a roast in the oven and it's burning, it'll be a burnt sacrifice unto the Lord. <laughs> I have a book called War and Recovery. I wrote it as my last book recently, and it includes stories from the battlefield 
that take you all the way to the mission field. It is from tragedy to triumph. It's a wonderful book to read, and it's readable because it's short stories, almost like a devotional. You'll really enjoy that book. And then I have an autobiography that I think you'll find fascinating because you can put yourself in this line of God, this lineage of God's plan for a life. You can see from my childhood how God planned and purposely did things and allowed things that that made me be what I do and am today for good, bad, or ugly. Whatever you think of me, that's what I am. And in this book, you'll see how the fingerprint of God is throughout my life. From the age of five years old, when I gave my heart to Jesus and didn't know what it meant, and 11 years later at 16, when I figured it out, and I fell in love with Jesus and Brenda at the same time. I won't go into all that. And then a video, if you have a machine to play it on, it's a DVD called Scars and Stripes. It's the best video ever produced in my story. It's stand-up, and you will love it. I promise you. And then we have a couple of shirts, one for women. I'll show you the women's. It says it has our logo on the front. Can you read it from there? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll have healing for broken necks here shortly. <laughs> if I can do this, I'm not good at I, I normally have my assistant here, but I came without her. She and her husband are normally with me. Operation Warrior Reconnect. And it's a program that Department of Defense sends our warriors to. And we, we got them in women's sizes and shapes and men's. The women's size and shape is like this. The men's shape is like this. <laughs> I think that's everything. Oh, no, I got one more thing. Uh, we have a program called Catch-22. You ever heard that term? And we're trying to catch 22 vets a day, taking their lives. And uh, on this card is a study by George Washington University medical staff. And they found out that orange, if I says essence of orange oil, kind of like fragrances of myrrh and incense that you read about, orange oil calms post-traumatic stress. And they, we put it, 22 beads of lava that absorbs that oil for people. It's not snake oil, I promise. It's, it's a study you can find. And uh, those oils, my wife loved those essence of oils. You know, her favorite was peppermint. And it made me sneeze all the time and made my eyes water, but <laughs> I didn't like that. You can get all these materials back there. You can use your credit card to buy them or your neighbor's card if you found it. It's there. No, it's a joke. <laughs> I'm having fun. I got to shut up and let you go. You're, you're welcome to give at the table on your credit card. Pastor will get a record of any giving on your credit card to our ministry so that he'll know exactly what this church has contributed to Operation Warrior Reconnect. So if you choose to give on credit card, you can. Here's something you need to hear. I never know what's in an audience, who's there. But if you can give a $1,000 gift up to 100,000, and don't think that doesn't happen, it's happened nine times, and the guy named Banker, Al Banker of Banker Insurance, the largest insurance agency in Texas, you can look it up, B-O, E-N-K-E-R, B-O-E-N-K-E-R, look it up. It's a large corporation. He matches 1,000 to 100,000 every first Monday of the month of contributions by individuals or by companies. I don't need to know your name, and if they give through the church, that 1,000, pastor, if you just tell me the number, he, he doesn't care, I don't care. We trust each other, and I trust the church. If it's 1,000 dollars or more, He'll match it first Monday of the month. I want to sock it to him this month. He is very wealthy. I call him my sugar daddy. I don't want anybody messing with him. He's an amazing man. We've been friends since childhood. He's extreme. He's a billionaire. And he gives so much to our ministry that keeps us going. When you give, a thousand more, it's matched. I just want you to know that. And you can give it on your card or through the church or check, whatever. We will match it. I love you, friends. I really love you. And I didn't expect that today. I just wanted to like you. I ended up loving you. They say online, 
like us. No, no, no. Love us. That means I love you in sign language, but my thumb got blown off, so I speak sign language with a lisp. <laughs> I'm Dave Reaver, and I'm pretty this message. Thank you, folks. I love you so much.